The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode 95 of the Adam Shine Podcast and... We have a gem of an interview for you. One of my all-time favorite people, one of my close friends from Syracuse University. You see him on ESPN. College football insider breaks every story that matters. My guy, Pete Thamel, is the feature guest this week on the Adam Shine podcast. And listen, we talk about it all. Everything that happened in college football, the coaching carousel, college football playoff expansion, Pete is a savant when it comes to the NCAA tournament, so do not fill out your bracket until you hear Pete's upsets, his final four. It is absolutely tremendous. We have some great Syracuse stories, some great Jim Beheim stories, so a, a great conversation with the great Pete Thamel. And I'll tell you the thing that I'm most fired up about, and it's a great time of year in sports. You got, you know, the NFL free agency and the Chargers are making Super Bowl caliber moves. And, you know, the Jets are doing good things and the Jaguars are spending because they have to. It's a great time in the NFL. The NBA is really heating up. College basketball starting. Baseball is back and not a moment too soon. And spring training starts and you got a free agency frenzy. And that's pretty amazing. I'll tell you my favorite thing that has nothing to do with sports. I mean, how about the news, and we're taping this on the 15th of March, that's starting in 2023, changing the clocks is going to be dead. I've argued this forever. Just go with daylight savings time forever. Give me sunshine. You know, if you have kids and we have three, you can't deal with the daylight savings time. And, you know, it's it's crazy when you have to, you know, skip an hour, lose an hour. It's nuts. You don't recover. So I am so excited that we got this news today. I mean, this I can't stop thinking about that. We're not going to have to change the clocks anymore, which is good because I have this watch and. I don't know how to change it. Pete Thamel, featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast, and he joins us next. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... 
No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. Jen Piacenti here, host of Sticks and Stacks, the podcast that brings you the very best action from the world of hockey and baseball. Each week, myself, Sean Drotar, and Nate Lundy will bring you our best picks and talk you through the props, bets, and fantasy advice that can help you become the best fantasy manager in your league or even just help you win some money. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast, or listen on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. The featured guest on the Adam Shine podcast this week, one of my all-time favorite human beings from ESPN, college football insider, my longtime friend from Syracuse, my guy, the great Pete Thamel. Pete, how are you? I love that you're wearing a Cosmos shirt right now. That makes me that makes me like irrationally happy. I want to sit in one of those orange booths and put some money in the jukebox and play a little Bruce Springsteen. And eat uh, eat a slice, and I I want to eat with not thinking about what I'd be ordering. That's what I really want to do <laughs> from age nineteen. <laughs> I, I knew you would notice this. I wore this with uh, the intention of you figuring out that I was wearing the Cosmo shirt, and you know I remember years ago, junior year, we had breakfast at Cosmos. This is I mean a lifetime ago, right? So nineteen ninety eight, I guess probably. Yeah, and we we were talking about different ways to do different things with the Daily Orange and WAER. And, you know, years later, Pete, I mean, listen, you get the new job at ESPN. And I know you feel the same way when great things happen and good things happen with me. I mean, it's and you, you know, we talked, obviously. I was so happy for you. And you have so many people, so many friends of ours and Syracuse alum happy for you. I mean, you've got to be on cloud nine. How's how's the new job going? It, it couldn't be better. It's really been uh, it's really been excellent. It's been an awesome place to work. I mean, what a what a dynamic place to cover college sports, right? I mean, ESPN is the home of college sports, and there's no better platform. There's no place more invested. There's no better place to tell stories. And I'm just really excited. You know, after essentially 20 years of covering college football, and even longer if you want to go back to the Donovan McNabb era. Um, you know, in in you know print digital formats to, you know, kind of explore some storytelling in some different ways. And so it's been, uh, yeah, it's been really, uh, really exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I mean, it is a dream job. There's no yeah, and it really is a dream job and I'm so happy for you. And listen, it was a great time for you, obviously with, you know, the coaching carousel and all this news breaking and a great time to join ESPN Pete, have you ever seen a coaching carousel like this? I mean, th- this was one of the most wild rides I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was pretty unbelievable because you just don't get that type of high end movement. I don't think at any time, certainly in the last generation, you had that many top quality coaches from elite jobs move to other elite jobs, and it was it was a seismic shifts in the sport. I really think we'll look back a decade, two decades from now. 
as this being a, a pivot point. I think Lincoln Riley going out West is a huge adrenaline shot to the Pac-12. I think it's similar to when Urban Meyer went to Ohio State when the Big Ten needed a boost. That would have been, uh, you know, in the in the late aughts, I guess. And I really feel like the Pac-12 right now just needed just needed an adrenaline shot. And Lincoln Riley is going to provide that. Caleb Williams is going to provide that. Yeah. And I think NIL ends up helping out USC a lot too because kids have always wanted to go to LA and uh, you can only imagine that that there'll be opportunities available to them in, uh, in in Los Angeles in that way. So, and I, and I really feel like Brian Kelly is well positioned to maximize LSU. There's one thing Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame. I don't know his record against this, you know, as a favorite, you know, a spread favorite off the top of my head, but Brian Kelly didn't lose a lot of games he wasn't supposed to. Win, That's right. Right. Like that was one thing he did as well as any coach. He just figured out a way to win games. And, you know, it might have been like Toledo this year where they had a last minute drive at the end, but there weren't a whole lot of games where Brian Kelly went into as a as a favorite or with a better team and didn't win. And that's a testament. I mean, he's been a head coach for almost 30 years when you go back to Grand Valley, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, and then, uh, you know, it was a dozen plus years at Notre Dame. So, I mean, he's the all-time winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame. So, I really feel like this carousel, uh, Adam, was as – insane dynamic there were twists there were turns it was uh you know it it you know it's indicative of the market of you know a multi-billion dollar business right now people are people are aggressive people are repositioning themselves constantly people are less patient maybe than they were yeah, uh, yeah. than they were in past in, in past years because they they want to see results and with the portal now too you have a more linear path to immediate results than you used to it used to be oh well the first recruiting class doesn't count he needs to get that second class and then really that third class is when you can first start to ju- no like it's just there's patience is gone you know building a program like there are places that are going to have to build programs through recruiting and red shirting and such but it just doesn't seem like the timelines of fan bases and athletic directors are going to allow for that as much as they used to and let me follow on that, Pete, because I get the sense, and you reference the quarterback as well for USC, and I'm kind of obsessed with the USC mystique and Lincoln Riley. Sure. I mean, to me, it's kind of that immediate impact. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the landscape of the Pac-12. I'm looking at Lincoln Riley. I'm looking at his house. He's a rock star. He's going to you know, recruit everybody in L.A. You're right about Brian Kelly, and all he does is find ways to win. You're a fan of USC. You're a fan of LSU. You're thinking an immediate turnaround for those programs, right? Well, look at what Brian Kelly did in the portal. I uh, just got Jaden Daniels, a quarterback, to add to a pretty good quarterback room with uh, Garrett Nussmeyer there, five-star Walker Howard coming in as a true freshman. To me, Jaden Daniels, who had a very good freshman season at Arizona State, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, was pedestrian. They only played five games in the COVID year, so that's even hard to gauge. And then last year, he had a little bit of a down year as some of the talent drain left. The Brandon Ayukes of the world weren't on the outside for him to throw to anymore. And so I think that was a little bit of Brian Kelly saying, like, they've got about a dozen other players from the portal, too, this year. Like, hey, look, the, the roster's turned over. They had a ton of talent leave after that great title season. They tried to push new talent in. Everything was a mess that last season under Orgeron, so they lost a lot of guys. But, like, hey, we need to be old and we need to be competent immediately and then we're going to have to take a leap from there. But it was certainly like, we're just not going to get 23 freshmen, redshirt a few guys and like take our time. No, we have to go get 20 year old dudes who can go compete right away in the SEC. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to build. But a lot of coaches now, Adam, half their recruiting classes, the portal and half of it is from high school, you know, which 
was it would have been five years ago was an unheard of concept. Like you yeah. maybe took three or four transfers if you were maybe three or four transfers if you were a power five school. Um, or maybe you took a, you know, you took a grad transfer, a 50 year guy that became a little bit in vogue, but everything has changed in the last two years. And it's one of the great things about covering college sports, right? Everything has changed in such a short period of time. And it keeps it fresh for someone like you. It's yeah. it's the wild west out there, and and it's just incredible to to talk about and to cover. I'm sure for you and to break all these stories and to dig deep. And Pete, I was fascinated by Jim Harbaugh this off season on a lot sure. of different levels. I mean, look, I was of the opinion. <clears throat> He did a phenomenal job, in my opinion, of, at Michigan this past year. And I think in general, you got to remember what Michigan was. I think he's done a really good job with that program. They're not Ohio State, and they're not going to be Ohio State when you start looking at wins and losses. Just that's how I feel. I feel like this was the right time for him to leave. I mean, you could make the case 2021 was as great as it's going to get, and I mean that as a compliment I was. I thought he was going to get the Vikings job. I heard that he wanted the Raiders. You know, maybe you know he'll go to the Colts after this year. There's always that possibility. The whole thing was perplexing. It's National Signing Day. He's in Minnesota. What happened with Harbaugh? I think he felt like it was the time to leave Adam. I mean, that's that's what his actions dictated. That the actions and the words dictated very different things. And. Jim Harbaugh, if you go back to who he was as a player at Michigan, a player in the NFL, he is as competitive a person who's come through football that, that we've seen. And most college coaches in their rational mind wouldn't risk what he did in going to Minnesota and interview. Everybody thought he had the job because he thought he had the job. So a lot of people in Michigan thought he had, he didn't have the job. Like he does not have a good reputation in NFL circles because yeah. it ended so poorly in San Francisco. Those owners talk, man. They all go to the breakers or someplace that you guys can't even <laughs> spell to afford, right? And they, they talk. Billionaires talk. And so, he look, he won nearly 70% of his games as an NFL coach, Adam. All right? He is the fourth highest winning percentage in NFL history. Now, it was just a four-year sample size. But, look, if you go through NFL rosters and you go through the history of the NFL, people tend to overlook flaws if you can win. Right. I mean, we could rattle off, uh, sure. you know, half dozen top, top, top players in, in the league right now who have had very serious sins forgiven. So I think it says a little something about Jim Harbaugh and how it ended in San Francisco and just how he interacted with management and ownership that he has not found another opportunity in the NFL. Now, some of it was he got cold for a couple of years at Michigan. They underperformed. They did not have a great recruiting infrastructure in place. And they were just like the program was just a little bit meandering. And so there was the point where people in the Big Ten wanted him to stay because they don't want if somebody has Michigan going full tilt, that's hard. Now, Michigan reached full tilt last season. It will be very interesting this season without the two All-American defensive ends with some you know losses on both sides of the ball, like your typical attrition. Now, they should be excellent on offense next year. They return just about everybody um obviously blake quorum the really good back is back they lose the other back to the, to the nfl but for the most part they return quite a bit of talent on that uh, offense the defense is going to have some questions and there are i still think recruiting holes from some of that atrophy early three four years ago that stuff does tend to to catch up to you depth wise different different things like that but their schedule is easy very easy when when you look at it and just the, the thing that's puzzling me about Harbaugh is he was so 
went after and, and didn't hide it. I give him credit no. for that. He was, it wasn't the dark of night. He was very open about it. And then he just is like very blunt and saying he never wants to leave. It's like, well, your actions just told me you really want to leave to the point where you <laughs> risk angering your bosses, alienating your fan base. And quite frankly, I think it hurt him with some staffing stuff. And they didn't do a great job maybe retaining some of the players who could have come back for super senior years. Like he was a little bit checked out there and they lost some very key staff. Like they did a poor job at Michigan, in my opinion, maximizing one of the best seasons they've had in the last generation. Um, There was so much good juju around that program. So many good vibes, even after the way they got throttled in the playoff, like this was as good as it got. And they never carried it over to good to, to, you know, that joy ride, ended immediately and is not carried over to this offseason. And now it's like, well, they're replacing the offensive coordinator with two new guys. They have a new defensive coordinator who comes from the Harbaugh, uh, the John Harbaugh tree via Vanderbilt. It just, it's all of a sudden there's a bunch more questions as opposed to really putting throttle down and, and hammering the moment. Pete, I ask you this with a smile on my face. What the hell happened to the college football playoff expansion? I mean, I, I need it. I mean, look, I and, and life is part of it for me. You know, I, I work six days a week in the fall. I have three kids. I, I, I don't it has to be a big game. For, and I have to have a, an interest in, you know, will this impact a championship that that's mm-hmm. my barometer on a Saturday? Yeah. Will sure. this impact yeah. something for a title because I'm not yeah. watching the bowl games. You know, this, yeah. this is not, you know, 1999. I won't watch a bowl game. I was so excited about the potential for college football playoff expansion. Seemed like it was going to happen. All the meetings. What happened? Again, like everything in college athletics, it's really nuanced and complicated, but it's also really simple. Um, <laughs> essentially, the, there was a working group, and I don't want to bore you with the subtitles and the titles and the jargon and everything like that, but there was a group of folks, essentially Jack Swarber, Craig Sankey, Bob Bullsby, Craig Thompson, who studied and came up with this 12-team plan. It's a pretty good plan. I love it. The problem was by the time they studied it and came up with it, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 cycled in new commissioners. And everything was still going well. And then the SEC took Oklahoma and Texas. So you can jargon this and student athlete welfare, that and name, image and likeness and instability. You can put all in. If the SEC didn't take Oklahoma and Texas, there would, I, in my opinion, there would be a 12 team playoff right now. And I think that created such division and such mistrust that this was a little bit of a, to me, again, reading it, reading it outside, this is the sources telling me, but this is just watching human nature unfold during this process, Adam, to me, that put up enough guards up where people said, Hey, we need to not just let the SEC keep running college football unimpeded. So everybody kind of said, then we want this, we want this, we want this. Um, The big 10 wanted automatic qualifiers. Uh, The PAC 12 wanted more information about revenue sharing. The ACC wanted other issues fixed that they didn't want to do this without knowing how name image and likeness was going to go and how, other things go. So everybody kind of put up their put up their issues. And, and as they did that, the SEC basically said, and others basically said, well, wait a minute, we gave up a bunch of stuff. We're not going to now give up more stuff. We get a bunch of stuff to get here to this point. Like Notre Dame said, if even if we're in the top four, we'll still host a game. Like the, the concessions were all made, and then all of a sudden they pulled back. Mm-hmm. And so we will get to 12. It's just a two-year delay. Like it's, it is very still highly, highly likely 
to get to 12. It's just there's four years remaining on this contract right now. If it had gone through the way it was supposed to and many expected it to, it would have just flipped after the next two seasons and started 12 um, in, again, I'd have to do, I'd have to do like the finger math in my head, right? We just had that. We're the 22 season, 23 season, we started 24 season. Um, and now it won't start till 26. But the overwhelming thought is it still gets to 12. I do think it gets more complicated from this point on. That's been, that's been written and articulated out loud. But it's, it's hard to run a billion dollar business with so many different people at the table and the 12 team playoff was billed as everybody's looking out for the good of the game. The group of five is going to be represented. There's going to be great. I mean, look, it's still yeah. a 14 playoff. It's still a 14 playoff that five major leagues fill into. Like it was never going to really work, no, right? Nobody no, was no, ever going to be no. truly happy no. with how it was going to work. So this brought a lot of compromise solutions and you are the big city casual college football fan, right? Yeah. You are the guy who shows up for Alabama LSU when they're That's one right. two. That's right. You're the guy who's going to watch like that big opening weekend That's night right. game. Oh, every you know, but, I will always watch it the first week of the season. Yep. Yes, and then you'll get drawn in sporadically as the moments dictate, yep. and that's the fan college football doesn't think about enough. The guy in New York, the guy in Boston, like <laughs> the dude in Birmingham is watching. All right. He's watching like, uh, you know, Utah State play New Mexico on a Thursday night at 11 p.m. Like that that fan, the SEC fan, the fan in that belt, the Texas fan, those fans are covered where college football can still grow is in Los Angeles, New York, Boston, D.C., Philly. And those fans can relate to a playoff and they want to bracket. And that's as you grow, those are the fans you're going to capture and they're going to bring in. You get some, uh, you, you get a team like Cincinnati who maybe they, they're in a playoff game and they're not playing Alabama, but they're the four, they, they would have got five this year. And then they're playing like a big time opponent and they win and they get hot and they become like a Cinderella. It would have been amazing. And they suck in like Desmond Ritter becomes the face of the underdog and, you know, Luke Fickle becomes like the, the you know, the, 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 the steel chinned coach going up against the establishment, <laughs> you know, maybe they end up playing the Buckeyes and it becomes like this huge inter Ohio thing. Like there's so many cool things that could have happened if, if you're, you know, as you go on to 12 and, and you're just losing those nights where people are going to make that appointment, a playoff is appointment television, That's just right. like Thursday and Friday this week are appointment television even if you've not watched a minute of college basketball all year, you're going to find a TV Thursday afternoon and Friday afternoon, and you're going to want to watch all the games on, and you got a bracket filled out, and you're going to go. And that's what college football doesn't have. They don't have that casual fan that the NFL has wrapped up. Speaking of brackets, you know, you've been giving me sleepers and final fours since 1998. Long time, Pete. You've been you've been giving me and since 1999, my listeners, I get to say that you you have been giving my listeners tips on how to fill out a bracket since 1999. That is an actual fact. So first of all, do you have your final four set for the NCAA tournament? I do have my final four set. I have never been less sure about picks than I have this season. I buy it. I buy it. The Bear, Chris Felica, had a great uh, stat that he tweeted out the other day and retweeted. I think he said there's 11 games in this opening set 
that are three points or less by the spread. And he said the last two tournaments in opening weekend had 10 combined. Wow. It's, it, it, it's a stack close that. So that to me is just indicative of like, nobody knows. Cause if Vegas doesn't know Adam, nobody knows. Nobody knows. So like, you know, you look at some of these six eleven games and like, like, there's no favorites here, you know, like Michigan's favorite over Colorado state. in one of those games, it's like everything just college basketball has just been compressed. And I think this like last year, it was fairly predictable that Baylor was going to play Gonzaga in that title game. Yeah, like it agreed. was, it didn't take like a, you didn't have to like sit around and grind Ken Palm for three <laughs> days to figure that out. Like that was like, you'd watch a couple games. It was like, okay, those are those two. I got this one. Themselves yeah, yeah. From the field. I can't say that there's any team that I put in the final four, just like, Oh, from, Oh, they're a one they're in. Like I just, there's no team to me that is that far ahead of everybody else. Now, that makes it a very difficult. Like this is this is one of those years where on Saturday you're not even going to look at your bracket. Oh, it's over. It's, just it's over. So just rip mutilated. it up. Yeah, yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's over. It could well be gone by happy hour on Thursday. <laughs> but yeah, like this could be a, a, an opening weekend of yeah. This is the year that the uh, you know the, the receptionist wins the office pool. Uh, you know that kind of that that kind of a thing. 100%. The people who pay the least attention. Yeah, Jolie Shine can go by mascots and probably beat you this year. Theo so, Shine um, goes to the Murray Avenue School, so he picked Murray uh, State to the Elite Eight. By the way, that's and you know, right. he takes this very seriously. I got Theo's bracket, I got Jolie's bracket, I got Maya's okay. bracket, I got my bracket. So, what? What? Right. Katie's gonna fill out a bracket. Katie? So, what, what fun in the house? All right, we're gonna get Katie to fill out a bracket. Of course. Jeez. Oh, um, <laughs> so this is my final four, and I made it not chalky. For the purpose of like, I can't sit here and think it's going to be wide open and then it's going to be like, you know, three ones and a two, right? Like there's just, there, there's too much. So I have Texas Tech coming out of the West. Oh man, I love that call. I have Gonzaga, I just, but I love the Texas Tech call. I love it. I, I love just it. feel like they can guard. They, they're not particularly big. Boy, can they guard. They are really well. And they have swung Miller and Kansas combined like, now, they played down to competition so much scares you, right? Because maybe that second game opening weekend, um, they're not going to have any trouble. I always, if I'm going to take some like a, a non one or two, you always look at that first. And Montana State does not scare me at all on that opening game. Like, I think they'll, I think they'll maul them. And I really don't like Alabama, Rutgers, or Notre Dame. I, I, agree I don't with think, you. yep. Yeah. Like, Alabama's tanked down the stretch. Rutgers never pick Rutgers away from the rack, right? Like it's just not, you know, that's just that's just bad business. And Notre Dame's had a nice season. Blake Wesley's an excellent player, but I don't think I, I think Texas I think Texas Tech can uh, can 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 gush them. So at that point, I, I like the Raiders. So I'm, I'm guns up out of the uh, I'm guns up out of the West. My sleeper in the West is New Mexico State. I think they play fearless. I think wow. this, I think I think this UConn team is pretty vulnerable. I think like. New Mexico State, which is a bunch of just fearless six-year guys, old, tough, like they are not going to flinch. Chris Jans is not going to flinch in front of Hurley. And uh, I, I watched their their, conference, their WAC Conference title game the other night. Like they are they are not going to blink. So um, I, that's, I, I have them going to the Sweet 16. And I think a lot of people are going to take Vermont over Arkansas, but I really feel like New Mexico State is a problem right there. Um, so in the East, everybody has Kentucky, right? Like that's the, that's like the, almost like the chalky two pick. 
Uh, I'm going to take UCLA. Yes, that's who I have. There we go, yes. Pete. Yes. They're old. They're experienced. Like I feel like there's some devaluing of West Coast basketball because maybe in other seasons it hasn't been as good. But I uh, I like Johnny Juzang and the boys, right? Like they there's there's something to be said for a battle tested team in March. Uh, I love their first. You know, Akron's going to be no problem. Uh, St. Mary's, Wyoming, and Indiana. I don't flinch at any of those matchups from there. And Baylor just isn't what they were. I, I think agree. a healthy Baylor at full tilt is you know a Final Four team, kind of a no brainer Final Four team, but. They, they've understandably, considering the injuries and such, sputtered a little bit down the stretch. So I think the path is open for UCLA. And I, I'm going to be in Philly for the Sweet 16, Adam. Oh, Would awesome. love to see. Like, there's some great potential matchups there, right? Like Purdue, Kentucky, um, you know, Baylor, Kentucky, UCLA, Kentucky. That could be a lot of fun in, in a great college basketball town. One of the best. So uh, in the uh, – do I have any – Bracket busters in uh, in that everybody's going to take Virginia Tech. And so I, have Virgi- the, I have Virginia I'm Tech gonna, going to the Sweet Sixteen. I hate it. I'm it's so call, in vogue. Yeah, I'm going to call this the Jerry McNamara principle. Do you remember when Syracuse ran through the tournament with Jerry McNamara? <laughs> of course. And you know there was they won four games in four nights and all that kind of stuff. Do you remember what happened when they made the NCAA tournament? I remember they it were completely. A five seed and Texas A&M absolutely punked them. Yep. And I think this is completely unscientific, Adam. When you look back at the history of those teams that have won four games in four nights, five games in five nights, and just had magical runs out of nowhere, they don't tend to show back up well in the NCAA tournament. And I do have a lot of faith in Chris Beard as a tournament coach. Now, he's probably not done his best job coaching this team, but I really feel like Virginia Tech is the kind of team, and Coach K said this, you need a week to prepare for them because they are so intricate. They cut, they move. And I think Chris Beard, who's one of the better game planning and defensive coaches with whatever it's going to be, four or five days to prepare. And he has a group that's like a little bit of a knucklehead group, that you know, a bunch of transfers. They haven't really meshed particularly well as a team. I think you can find Jesus when it comes to a one and done situation. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm the anti upset in, in, in that pick. So when Virginia Tech's up 43 to 19 in the first half, you know on, how that's uh, going to go. On, yes. yes. On Friday afternoon, you can feel free to, uh, you can feel free to text me. Love Theo shine, Ryden Murray, by the way. I but, mean, it's great. Gotta, yeah. He's very excited. Yeah. And he, t- he takes this very seriously. You know, he, he is now a sports savant. He's very into the picks. He watches everything. So he, he takes this very seriously, Pete. I hope he, I hope he's grown up with a sophisticated taste in how he, how he uh, consumes his sports. <laughs> <laughs> Katie makes sure he, he ignores you and watches Carlin a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, uh, in the South, I have Arizona winning it all. Yeah, I took Arizona. I, I, yeah. yeah. And so I have Arizona coming out of the South, a little bit, a uh, little bit chalky, obviously. But um, they're so good. Yeah. I, this isn't a vintage Villanova team, so that doesn't scare me as much. You avoid them playing them in Philly, which is going to be, which is going to be important. Look, like, Tennessee had a magical run in the SEC tournament. Yep. Uh, I think Rick Barnes is an excellent regular season coach. He is not an elite postseason coach. Um, hit, hit this, the Rick Barnes stat that I always break out this time of year is in the NCAA tournament, in eight, nine games, he's 0-5 wow. in his career. 
Wow. Now that's like, first of all, to play in five, eight, nine games, that just means you have to hang around for a while. And like Rick Barnes is one of my favorite people in college basketball. I just think that, and he has maybe as much talent as he's had, you know, other than, I don't even know how many of his Texas teams were three. Like I, I, I wonder what that TJ Ford group was that played in the 03 final four. They might've been a one actually. I they think came out they of were a year. one or a two. I think they were a one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the Durant crew, I don't – I think they were a two and they lost to USC in the second round. But anyway, the, he has as much talent right now in Tennessee as he's had at any point in his career. And they're always going to guard, right? Like those teams aren't going to be – aren't going to be soft. But I just – I can't take Tennessee to the Final Four. Um, I think their Final Four good. It wouldn't shock me if they went there. But it's just uh, – obviously, you know, we're fresh off watching them bow out in the first round last year. Now, again – They've replaced. There's a lot of different parts, and it's. I think it's a better, more complete Tennessee team, but I can't. Uh, I can't swing that. Uh, I took UAB over Houston. Houston just down the stretch didn't blow me away. Um, All right, I, I, there's always one. I let you twist my arm on that. I, I couldn't. I don't have that one filled in. So you like UAB over Houston? I do. I do. Okay. And boy, Illinois is a tough team to figure out. Illinois has got a team that's very talented. But, like, I don't think you can trust him. I don't nope. think Chattanooga beats him, but I don't think you can trust him to go uh, to go all that far. Um, I'm taking Ohio State over Loyola Chicago if only because the entire world is going to pick Loyola Chicago, <laughs> and I think Villanova vacuums up whoever it is next um, without without too much of a uh, without too much of a problem. And Ohio State obviously has had has a bunch of injuries. Like, it's just it hasn't. It hasn't quite clicked, but I do. I, I just don't want to. You don't want to underestimate just the totality of the talent. EJ Liddell is one of the better veteran players you're going to see in this tournament, and so sometimes you know, sometimes guys know that the world's against them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, in, in, in situations like that, and respond, uh, respond back, and then in the Midwest, Midwest is gross, Pete. It's gross. I've never seen just, a bracket I've liked less. I think yes. since I've been doing this, yeah. I hate Auburn outside of Auburn, right? Um, and they've not played well the last six weeks. I'm just not on the Wisconsin train. I'm nope. just not so sure the Big Ten was like that great this season. I think they had a lot of very good teams. I just don't know. And again, it's a different Wisconsin team. They have a star, Johnny Davis. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not getting behind that. So, you know what? Kansas just feels like the safest. It's like the, you know, the, the best from the worst options. How crazy um, am I? And I know your McNamara theory, which is why I almost wish they would have lost. I'm picking Iowa. I, I would, I, I have no problems with Iowa. Okay. I think Iowa is just completely different than Iowa that we think of every year. Right. Like last year, I hate, I just Garza was a wonderful college player, but he was a problem when you dealt with high end athleticism. And I think this is like a totally different Iowa team. They're like up tempo Iowa. You just can't almost have to like rewire how you think about Iowa. I fought long and hard about Iowa, but I was like, you know what? Kansas is better. So just they're better. They're tournament tested. They're old. I, I like Kansas a lot. So, um, and we're going to remember Iowa just went through a league that to me was inferior to the big 12 where Kansas kind of got its bones. So, um, yeah, I actually took LSU over Iowa state. Iowa State hasn't played well down the stretch. LSU is obviously a mess with Will Wade gone, but that's almost, I don't know what the line is, but that's that's almost an upset. Um, boy, I wanted to like the seven or the ten across from Auburn, but I don't really like either of those teams. Particularly. I was hopeful that I wanted to take USC. 
You know, yeah. just because I've, I've been watching a lot of Pac-12. I like yeah. infield. Pac-12's been I, great this year. Yeah, yeah, I've been into it. But I, I, I haven't beaten Miami. I couldn't I couldn't pick them against Auburn, Pete. I couldn't yeah. do No, it. I think that's fair. I think that's uh, I think that's fair. No, I think we'll see, like, we'll see a good amount of double-digit upsets. And again, like, is it a 10-7 really that much of an upset? I don't know. But I, I just think we're going to have some – we're going to have some fun. It's going to be chaos. I, I – I'm not going to be at a first round site this this year, which is usually pretty rare for me, non COVID times, I guess, to you know, to be home. And I can't wait to just sit back, watch multi screens, and just kind of and just kind of soak it in and uh, go from game to game, and you know, kind of drink it in as a fan. It's it's going to be it's going to be a fun tournament. I mean, it's it it is one of the best products in sports, and it never lets you down. All right, a couple of real quickies before I let you go. Syracuse related. Favorite place to eat on Marshall Street. It's a good question. Uh, when we were there, not now. When we uh, were there, when Cosmos, definitely, like just because you could just go eat anything you wanted. It didn't matter. Anytime, fries, yep. pizza, like you never thought of it. It just never entered your mind. Always yeah. Cosmos over Varsity, and I love Varsity. Cosmos yes. over Acropolis. Cosmos over Varsity. Every love time. the Acropolis. Yeah. Favorite yeah. place to eat in Syracuse, not on Marshall Street. I would go dinosaur barbecue. That's, 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 you know, when I worked at the post standard, it was literally right next door. So it was, you know, you'd go have lunch there like twice a week. So it's, uh, that's, that's an easy one for me. And obviously the place has grown and changed and evolved in, in a lot of ways, but I'm, uh, you know, like when I go back there, I go get myself a big fat plate of ribs and, uh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so good. A little old school, uh, our parents weekend jamie see zebs you remember that place oh, of course yeah, yeah. remember that place zebs? Was strong. Yeah. yeah there you go there you go that place was uh, that place was good i like joey's too joey's was no, great joey's. yeah i used to go joey's. there with my family on parents weekend yeah. all the time yeah i, I saw yeah. jim Beheim there all the time remember rick who was the maitre d there at, yeah. at joey's i yeah. mean that's yeah. he was a i mean if a place is involved in an nca scandal it's usually a pretty good restaurant <laughs> Favorite place non dinosaur barbecue when we really became close when you were we were always friends in college but after from ninety nine through two thousand two you were working at the Post Standard I was working at WHEN so favorite place we would either eat or drink from ninety nine to two thousand two I would have to say Mully's right like doesn't Mully's have to be the answer to that question I was gonna say <laughs> Mully's PJ Dorsey's. Oh, PJ Dorsey. Or yeah. from Dorsey. Why am I blanking? Where did we go with Lou Coleman's? and get the ro- oh, Coleman's was always great. Coleman's, yeah. especially in March, Coleman's was great. Oh yeah. Um, where did we get the roast beef sandwich? Uh, the Clark's Ale House. Yes, Clark's, Clark's Ale, Ale House. Excellent place. Yes. Never yeah. gets enough credit. Yeah, I played on the post standard softball team, sponsored by Kelly's. Kelly's was a dynamic place. Great chicken wings. Yeah. Played some good softball there with our friends uh, Mike Waters and Dave Ryan. So NFL Sundays at Tully's were always pretty epic too. Oh yeah, no question, no question. My my old friend Dave Curtis used to get double pasta orders. <laughs> Grub DC, I love it. A good Dave <laughs> Curtis reference. Give me your favorite Jim Beheim story. Oh wow, this is a good story. So I was the beat writer uh, with Mike Waters at the Post Standard for three seasons after he graduated. And the last year was 0102. They win the title in 03, the year after I had left. One of the last articles I wrote there was sort of like a roster analysis of who's coming, who's going, whatever. In 02, they had a 
all Big East player named Preston Chumper is a very good basketball player. He, you know, averaged 19-ish points a game and yep. was very good. So I wrote in this analysis that they should not just automatically expect Carmelo Anthony to replace Preston Chumper's scoring. Because 19 points a game for a freshman in college basketball was a lot. So anyway, Syracuse goes, wins the national title in 03 in that March, April. Two months later, I go, uh, I'm freelance for ESPN and, at the time, and I go to USA Basketball in Colorado Springs. I walk up the stairs at the gym in Colorado Springs, and I see Bayheim. And he looks at me, and I really haven't seen him since. I'd seen him at the tournament and other stuff like that. And he like double takes, and he, he has like, big, long fingers. Hey, come here, Pete. And so I come over, and he goes, you wrote one of the dumbest things I've ever read. <laughs> and I was like, you know, now this is, mind you, this is like, Two years before I would have written, right? <laughs> and, he, and I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, you said that Carmelo wouldn't, you know, replace Preston Chumpers. And I forget what who averaged what. But, like, they averaged about the same. And so I said he wouldn't replace the production. Yeah, Carmelo had four more rebounds. <laughs> he just walks away. <laughs> he just won the national title. I hadn't seen him in two years. And that's, like, the only thing he's, like, he's talked about. So, yeah. I love that's, that guy. To me, that's Jim Beheim. Like, a whole, you almost have to be as good as like people like him, Calhoun, all that, like old Garshashevsky, somebody. You almost have to have like an immature competitiveness. Oh, yeah. It's like a competitiveness beyond like the reasonable realm of competitiveness. And that's like an immature competitiveness that like you hold a grudge to what your local newspaper reporter wrote something like that was, again, not, I guess, technically the most, you know, it was, it was like a projection. Like, it, and I half wrote it because you don't want to like say, oh, this freshman is going to come in and score 29. Like all that. Kind of stuff. So anyway, but yes, that to me is, is like the thin skin competitive, like put you in your place, Jim Behan. He's the best. And he'll probably, he probably listens to your podcast too, Adam. Oh, he's been <laughs> on the podcast. He listens to the radio show. He watches the TV yeah. show. He pays attention to everything. I mean, but that's always that's one true. thing. I always, and I'll say this to anyone, respect about Beheim. He once didn't talk to me for three months He didn't, when I said a Tom Thomas needed more touches. Like, he did a radio <laughs> show in our building on WSYR. I'm on WA. He wouldn't talk to me because he didn't like one thing. It wasn't even like an insult. Like, he just, <laughs> but, but he hears everything oh, yeah. and because he's listening, he's reading, he's watching. I respect that. Yeah. He always called back, too. Like, always. Even, like, there were times when he was really mad at me, and he would always call back. And he wouldn't exactly give you the best quotes, but he was I, he was available, and I always appreciated that about him. As I've like gone on in the profession, like the, the people who call you back when things are good and things are bad, you 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 do appreciate that. So as he is sort of endured up there, that's one that is one trait. Like he picks up the phone, he calls back. Yeah, I listen. I he was always great to me. I got a great tip early in my career: go to practice, and I would go to practice, and he would come over, and we would talk. And even though I'm like a talking head in his mind. I was there so I can give opinions on what I see in practice. So, you know, we all have, I've always had a good relationship, even when he was annoyed at me or whatever it was. Final question for you. How many more years do you think Bayheim's going to do this? And who's the next coach of Syracuse basketball? So my hunch is, and this is not like any inside info, that this is his last year. Has I to think be, he's yeah. 77 yeah. or he turns 77. It, maybe a Shouldn't say that. That's easily Googleable. But he's in his 70s, in the thicket of his 70s. He's older than K, right? K-75. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, he's been the head coach at Syracuse, the head coach at Syracuse, longer than we've been alive. We're not young. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, 
I, I do think it's last year. If you know, if I was a betting man right now, I think Red Autry is the uh, Adrian Autry, the longtime assistant there, is the next head coach there. I think he deserves to be the next ho- coach there. I think he's been the best of the assistants, and I and I feel like that's a place that is going to want to keep a lot of traditions going and in, in, in moving that way. So I think Red, Red is very well deserved. He's recruited a lot of their best players that they've had there the last decade. He's an excellent on the court coach. Um, He'll be a little bit of a breath of the fresh air personality wise. Uh, he smiles once or twice. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think that, and he's, you know, he's a beloved figure in the community and he's an excellent basketball coach. who's kind of done his time and waited his turn. So that would be uh, th- that some type of handoff to Adrian Autry is how I from afar perceive that going. Um, I, would, I, I think a little that. bit in the way that Duke has handed off to John Shire this year, that happens. Uh, at some point now, do they announce it? Do they not announce it? I know Jim Beheim doesn't want to like go to all these gyms and get rocking chairs. You know, that's not really his style. That's not but, him at all. No. Yeah. But at a certain point, like when you think about the program holistically, now they have an excellent class coming in, an excellent one, one of their better ones in, in, in recent years. Subsequent classes are going to have a hard time committing to a guy who would be in his 80s, you know, if you if you went out your your full time. Like, I think we're at the point now where you can you can realistically say, like, Jabam's not going to be here for the entirety of your career. So at a certain point, if you wait, you, you may handicap yourself going forward in terms of, you know, getting getting the better, you know, sophomores, you know, rising juniors, rising seniors, like the, the, the better high school talent would probably need to, that question answered after this class. The beauty is, I, I told you that you know I'll keep you about twenty minutes, and this has been about forty-five. And I, I oh, feel, wow. like, I mean, I, and it's great too because I didn't even realize I just looked at the clock. I'm like, I should probably say goodbye at some point, but that's the beauty, Pete. And you know, we, me and you, we could just shoot the breeze and and talk nonstop. And you know, time's just a number, and it stands still. And we're sitting at Alto Cinco and and having having a <laughs> meal. I mean. You're the best, man. It's it's. Yeah. I'm so happy for you, and you know, new dad. I'm so happy for you and your family, and I, I'm just, you know, Lou is fired up. You know, it's he's it's, always fired up. The postman's fired up. It's just great. You know, you're writing and and you're on TV <laughs> in March Madness. Andrew Catalan's doing the play by play. It's it's yeah. a really cool thing for a lot of us, and you know, continued success, man. This this was awesome. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast. This is the best time of year. Um, you know, I think back to some of the great memories from back at school where, the, you know, the tournament runs and the games and everything like that. So, yeah, everyone who's taking part of it, you know, especially if you're on a campus right now and you're listening to this, like, have a blast. It's, it's an awesome, awesome time to be a sportsman. Pete, you're the best. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine Podcast. Pete Thamel. One of my all-time favorite people. Thanks to our listeners on SiriusXM. Thanks to our listeners on Pandora. Thanks to our listeners with Apple Podcasts and with Stitcher. We record the Adam Shine Podcast all year round, so please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can always catch me every weekday on my radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on SiriusXM, Man Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. The Adam Shine Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer of the Adam Shine Podcast, the great Bob Stu. The associate producers, Chris Tyler and Andrew Emmer. Sound design by my guy, Robert Moore. And special thanks to SiriusXM Senior, 
Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the iconic Steve Cohen. Sirius XM Podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.